Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you the choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times. Both at richarddugan.com as well as podcasting at richarddugan.com, the radio show's page, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole bunch of others. And again, we thank those people who are linking, reposting our interviews uh, to other sites as well. It's, it's great to be able to uh, expand in that respect and to get that kind of support and help. And as of this broadcast... If you can believe this, folks, and, and, and maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it is to me. As of this broadcast, we have achieved over 15,000 listens in two years and a few months, 15,000 listens. And I want to thank you from all around the world. Oh, my God, if I sat here and read the list of the countries that are listening to our program, our program would not be uh, much of a program other than a list of countries. It's just amazing uh, the people that are listening from all around the world. And uh, we thank all of you for listening and uh, listening to the podcast. We encourage you to go to the podcast because you're going to get more there than you would normally get in just the radio broadcast. Uh, Sometimes if the guest allows us, we go on for another I don't know, maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes. Just again, it depends upon our guest's availability, and we are always grateful for that as well. Today we have a returning guest, and I am excited to always to have her back with us. A woman is very well-traveled, both uh, geographically as well as uh, metaphysically and spiritually, uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky. She's the author of I don't know how many books now. She She's probably lost count. Uh, but we're going to talk about so many different things in addition to the chakras and chakra healing book, as well as third eye meditation, awaken your mind, spirit and intuition. And the big book, as I just mentioned, of uh, chakras and chakra healing, how to unlock your seven energy centers for healing, happiness and transformation. And I mean, how how appropriate is all of that? In this 2020, the year of perfect vision that we have been promoting since September 2019, telling you that it is time for us to go within. Well, right now we are going to go into within the world of Dr. Uh, Susan Chumsky. Thank you so much for joining us again on the program. I always love having you back. I'm thrilled to be here with you today, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. Your work can really be honed down to just what I described, and that is the whole process, if you will, of going within to find the answers, to find the peace, to find the love, to find the security, etc., etc. That's really, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's really the focal point of the work that you've been doing for so many decades to help make this a better world on the outside. I think you nailed it, Richard. Definitely. That's what I talk about. That's what I teach. That's what my books are all about. Well, I well, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Join us again next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> we just summed it all up, didn't we? Um, I, I want to go back to, uh, for those who are not familiar with you and your work, I want you to go back to 
those beginnings for you. When did this particular journey start for you? Well, you know, I was a hippie <laughs> living in the San Francisco Bay Area way back in the 20th century. <laughs> and those of us who were flower children, we were seeking nirvana. We were looking for altered states of consciousness, higher consciousness. And our gurus at that time were Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass. And they were telling us to turn on, tune in, and drop out. So I was attempting to follow their guidance. And they said that we could experience these altered states or higher states of consciousness through taking LSD. Well, that didn't work out too well for me. In fact, I had a psychotic breakdown from, from taking that drug. But I did have some interesting experiences with psychedelics with LSD and marijuana. But in fact, I wanted to learn real meditation. And at that time, meditation, yoga, mantra, all those types of words did not exist in, in our language at that time. So uh, I was reading all these books to try to find anything I could about higher consciousness. I was reading Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. I was reading The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. I was reading the Buddhist scriptures. And in the books by Alan Watts, he said that you have to find a meditation guide, quote unquote. Well, back then, uh, you didn't go to the yellow pages and look up, <laughs> look up meditation guide or anything remotely similar to that. So I asked a, a friend, how do I you know, find this meditation guide? And he suggested, well, have you ever tried to meditate yourself? So I said, well, I'll give it a shot. So I lay down on my bed, completely clueless. I didn't even know that you're supposed to sit up when you meditate. And I sort of prayed for or asked for a meditation. And immediately I was propelled into this ecstatic state. I could feel this cord or rush of energy rushing from the tips of my toes all the way to the top of my head. I felt like I was plugged into a cosmic electric socket, but in a most ecstatic way. And I figured, well, I guess this is meditation. You know, I didn't know. And, uh, Little did I know that not only did I have my first meditation experience, but also kundalini awakening all at the same time. Wow. And I did that without any stimulants or drugs or anything. It was not too long after that that a friend took me to the Transcendental Meditation Center. And there I saw a picture of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi on the wall. And I saw this picture and I could feel this, kind of energy exuding from him, from his eyes, from the photo, you know, I could just feel these waves of love, waves of bliss. And I thought, well, this is it. This is where I can learn real meditation. But there was no teacher, even though there was a meditation center, <laughs> there was no teacher there. I had to wait for nine months before the teacher would even arrive to teach me to meditate. 
And he finally did arrive. And I learned meditation during the summer of love. So it was very appropriate at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I immediately had amazing, amazing experiences. I wanted to, wanted to go and study with Maharishi in, in India. I was quite young. And so they didn't accept me on the course. They kept saying I was too young, too young, too young. Eventually, Maharishi allowed the younger students to go to India and study with him, which I did. And I stayed six months at that time. And then I spent over two decades in his ashrams. And I spent six years of those on Maharishi's personal staff. Mm. And so after going through this quite transformational process uh, at your beginning, uh, when did you tap into the awareness that you needed to be about helping others and showing others the way to this, uh, I'm going to call it a nirvanic state, uh, so to speak, utopian, but a lot of people, they, they, they have a real hard time with both of those words. Um, but in terms of reaching those levels of peace and love and contentment and tranquility, and this is not to say that <clears throat> you, walk, uh, you walk around in some blissful state. I mean, right now you, you come across as a very optimistic, excited, energized woman who just really wants to support other people in their transformation. When, when did that kick in for you? Well, it really kicked in the moment I learned meditation. <laughs> uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was the founder of Transcendental Meditation. And as soon as I learned, I couldn't stop talking about it. <laughs> I wanted mm. to recruit everybody. Don't ask me why. Uh, I just it was like a walking TM advertisement, <laughs> telling everyone how great it was and how it had transformed my life. So a lot of people learned TM as a result of my endorsement of it. So I'm just naturally a person who likes to help other people. So, yeah, it started right away from the beginning. Um, and like I said, I was in that organization for over two decades. And then when I left that organization, I, uh, I left it because I found another method of meditation that I liked better. And then I started writing books about that form of meditation. That's when I started my writing career. So, uh at that point, I was telling everybody about this new, to my, it was new to me anyway, type of meditation that I had learned and how great that was. So I'm just naturally somebody that likes to share uh, what I've experienced and help them to have similar types of experiences. Just out of curiosity, what was your first book? It was called Divine Revelation, which is the name of the method of meditation that I teach. Okay. And how does your method of meditation differ? What sets it apart? Well, it's different uh, than transcendental meditation. There's many, many forms of meditation, but transcendental meditation uses a mantra. A mantra is a, uh, a word or group of words that you repeat during meditation uh, or that you use during meditation is probably more accurate to go into higher states of consciousness. 
and it's very effective. It works. Transcendental meditation is a great, great form of meditation. In fact, I, I endorse it, and I tell people to practice it, especially if they're beginners and if they really need to de-stress. In other words, if they're very stressed and hypertense and all of that, I tell them, go learn TM, and then you, you know, you'll be able to be peaceful. You'll, you'll get rid of your anxieties and, and all of that sort of thing. Um, but this other form of meditation that I teach, which is divine revelation, that's about having direct contact and communication with the divine presence, being able to contact your higher self and to be able to have two-way conversations with spirit, with a capital S, to be able to listen to the still small voice within, develop your clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient abilities, and to be able to uh, receive divine love, healing, wisdom, and inspiration from within yourself, and also how to test the authenticity of the messages that you're receiving from, from whatever level you're receiving messages and to make sure that you're only receiving your messages from the spiritual world and not some other level of awareness. So it's a, it, there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, I have to say that I became a much happier person once I learned, started to learn and practice divine revelation. I mean, it brought so much more happiness into my life. Not that TM didn't because I have to say that probably the first time I ever felt happy in my life was when I, after I learned transcendental meditation. But a greater happiness, let's say, came from this other type of meditation, divine revelation. Hmm. I know that there are a lot of people who, number one, they're searching, they're trying to find the answers to their their ultimate questions. Obviously, the big ones uh, for humanity are, you know, who am I? Why am I here? Uh, where am I going from here? That kind of thing. And yeah. I'm curious as to <clears throat> the answers that you've gotten in that regard, the the, the profound questions that... That, you know, again, we are all seeking answers to, I mean, even in spite of the fact that I could probably sit here and say, oh, yeah, my life's purpose is this is why I'm here. Uh, and based upon the ancient wisdom teachings, uh, this is where I came from and this is where I'm going. I mean, I started out with Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi, and it's been an unbelievable journey to say the very least. Um, un unbelievably synchronistic as well. But what about the answers to your uh, your most important questions? Have you found those yet? And uh, if so, what were the questions? And, and can you share with us the answers? <laughs> I think probably the deepest answer that everybody asks is, who am I and why am I here, <laughs> obviously? So who are you? Well, we're all divine beings. We are all consciousness fundamentally that's who we are we are pure absolute transcendental consciousness that's ultimately our true nature our true nature is bliss our true nature is unbounded awareness our true nature is perfect tranquility and peace uh, we are divine we are whole we are oneness and perfection we are perfection everywhere now. We are perfection here now. We are all of the qualities 
of the quality less transcendental absolute pure consciousness that's who we are and i mean you could say all the things i just said but until you've actually experienced that personally experienced that you you'll never really know uh, that that's who you are but you can experience that anybody can experience that during meditation so it's possible to have these amazing experiences of unbounded awareness of pure consciousness of eternal bliss of great joy peacefulness contentment and that is done through meditation so that's why i'm such a big advocate of meditation so uh yeah that was so the major question uh who am i and then why am i here so you can definitely discover why you're here. Uh, would you like me to, to tell you a little exercise you could do to help you to discover that if you haven't yet discovered it? Absolutely. That's what we're here to do is help people to, to do that kind of discovery. So please exactly. share that with us if you would. Yeah. So what I'd like you to do after, this, after you listen to this podcast is take out a blank piece of paper and a pen Okay, uh, I'd prefer that you actually write this rather than doing it on your computer. And that is to take a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil or whatever, form of writing instrument, old-fashioned writing instrument. And what I'd like you to do is make a list of the things that you would do day by day if you had unlimited time, unlimited health, unlimited helpers, unlimited money, if you could not fail, if you were uh, infinitely optimistic, if you had no burdens whatsoever, if you had no responsibilities that you had to uh, take care of, uh, what would you do every day when you wake up in the morning um, and don't put on the list the things that you would go out and buy with your unlimited money, what I'd like you to put on the list is what you would do with your time day by day. So just make a long list of all of those things that you would do if you were in that unlimited thinking kind of situation. I call this the unlimited thinking exercise. Make a long list of all those things. And then when you're done with that list, look at your list and pick out one thing on that list that you could begin to do right now. You could take a baby step in the direction of doing today, tomorrow, and then start on that exploration. Start to do one of those things. Uh, you don't have to accomplish the whole thing tomorrow, but, you know, you can just take a few little baby steps in that direction. And you'll find that as you take those baby steps, you'll begin to get supported by, shall we say, Almighty Nature or Spirit with a capital S or whatever you want to call it. And you'll find that, wow, maybe I actually could accomplish this. Maybe this is something I could do. So that's the way to begin to discover your true 
divine plan, purpose, and destiny because you have one. You have a mission. You, you have a purpose. You have something to do in this lifetime. Hmm. That is the core <clears throat> of what we're here to do, both here on Tell Me Your Story, but I think as, as uh, spiritual beings having these incredible human experiences uh, is to share what we have learned. It, it reminds me of um, James Redford's book, Celestine Prophecy, where he talks about how we have messages for one another. Boy, we, we really need to share them with each other because it helps the it helps everyone else and it helps us too because we are all connected and when when we start talking when you start talking for example about the realities of the chakras these energy centers um there are seven main ones but i remember reading in the book joy's way where i was looking at the the uh, drawings, images, photos, whatever you want to call them, uh, of the minor, if you will, chakra center. They're all over the body. I, I was I was stunned because it was the first time I had ever seen anything like that, where you've got the seven from the head down to to the to the uh, um, uh, to the the crotch area, if you will. But then you have the, the, at the joints. Of the knees, the elbows, the shoulders, and the fingers, and so forth. And then there are even more uh, up and down the body. And so it really does tell us that we are energy beings, doesn't it? Absolutely. So when my publisher asked me to write a book about the chakras, I went back to the ancient Vedic and Tantric scriptures of India to find the most authentic information I could find about the subject. And what I found in those ancient scriptures are the seven major chakras. And then I found seven other chakras that they discuss, which are also the minor, you know, they're not the major, the seven major, but they're also very important chakras. Most of those are in the head. But the truth is, the reality is that every acupuncture point in the body is a chakra. So according to Chinese medicine, there are these acupressure points or acupuncture points. And each one of those is a chakra. And this is also true in Ayurveda, in the, in the Indian form of uh, medicine. And those are called marma points. And those are also chakra. So yes, the chakra are all over the body, but there are seven major ones. And those seven major ones are associated with planets and they're associated with endocrine glands. They're associated with certain parts of the body that they govern and that they regulate. And uh, the chakra system is keeping you alive. It's giving you motion. It's giving you heat. Uh, in the ancient scriptures of India, it is said that when life force energy um, known as prana, by the way, the, mm -hmm. the word prana, when life force energy is in the body, that is what is known as life. And when that life force energy leaves the body, that is what is defined as death. Mm. That's what it's called. And that's one of the biggest problems that we as human beings seem to have dealing with. I like to refer to it as transformation. Uh, as opposed to death and dying, uh, because those two words in particular have 
boy, they have so much um, energy, negative energy, if you will, or, or heavy energy associated with them. Um, and yet, isn't that what we are really working on throughout our lives? That's what you have been doing uh, since uh, s- since the the uh, uh, the heydays of uh, Haight Ashbury and so forth back in the '60s is working on transforming your life. Uh, yes, and you know, like uh, what I was talking about earlier, uh, we are here to discover who we really are and that inner discovery is the pathway of our life to realize that we are a divine being that we are spirit you know with a capital s that in fact uh, we and the divine presence are one there's no separation Uh, we are absolute oneness and wholeness when it comes to the aspect of healing, and, and I've, I've talked with folks about this all the time, I, I happen to be a, um, a Reiki master, my wife as well. Uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we went through a training uh, with a woman back in Phoenix, and, and we got that, so to speak, certification, if you will. And one of the things that she shared with us that I thought was really important uh, to consider, uh, and this is f- sort of where the medical community, the orthodox traditional medicine, medical community sort of misses the boat, is that when I am be- use- when I become the conduit uh, for that energy to send to a certain circumstance, situation, a person, what have you, it is not my goal to interfere with and or manipulate the situation to my liking. My goal is to send that energy so that it will be utilized the way, let's just say the individual, chooses to use it. And I have a case in point where my father's brother was dying of cancer and we wanted to send him an absentee healing to help him and assist him in his process, whatever it was. We didn't know what his process was. And uh, we did this, and about a week to 10 days later, we found out that he had passed. But my mother shared with us the story of what happened one day uh, when he finally got really angry, and he threw his medications across the room against the wall. He jumped into his wheelchair, wheeled across the, the yard where he, his son was living in another house, went inside, and I guess they had a, a period of time of closure, you know, and so forth. And then uh, within a day or so, he passed. So he chose to use that energy for that purpose rather than what you and I might think of as, well, why didn't he use it to get rid of the cancer? Well, <laughs> and, and so th- this seems to be a real problem. And I'd like for you to address this, that, uh, for example, uh, when I was working for the Christian radio station and they were always getting uh, prayer programs, were always getting calls for healing. I had people come to me saying, we want to lay hands on you to heal your, 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 your vision, uh, to restore it and so forth. And I refused. I said, my purpose in life is not to be healed. My purpose in life is to serve you and to do what I can for you and get your message out and blah, 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 blah. But, so talk to us a little bit about our intention as healers or conduits of that healing energy uh, that is, shall we say, an appropriate perspective to take? 
Uh, yes, I'm really glad you brought up this, this because it's, yes, that's very important that we understand that if we're going to help others, that it is with permission that we help others, and also that we're not manipulating people to do something that we, that we think is best for them, <laughs> that we're not we're not trying to change them. We're not trying to manipulate them. We're not trying to put our ideas into their heads and try to uh, mold them to our liking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, very important that if you're going to be a healer, if you're going to do spiritual work for people, it has to be something that they consent to that they want to be done. And I love the idea that you mentioned of uh, sending, when you're sending them energy, for that to be for whatever it is that that person wants to use that for. I think that's an excellent perspective. And it's very important as healers that they understand that this is not about manipulation and it's not about our idea of what's best for that person. Yeah. I want to come back uh, following our little break here. And I want to talk about the chakras. I want to maybe start from the beginning. For those maybe who are tuning in for the first time, and it's a good refresher for the rest of us who have been aware of them for many, many years, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about each of the seven chakras, if we might, but then maybe touch upon some of those minor, um, but not any less important energy centers of the body that we can utilize uh, to not only support ourselves, but also to support and assist others uh, in their process of transformation, whether that be a physical healing or otherwise. Uh, Can we do that when we come back? Absolutely. Fantastic. I'm Richard Dugan with uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky. We're talking about of course, uh, the big book of uh, chakras and uh, chakra healing. That's just one of the many books that she's written. Uh, and just before we break here, how many have you? How many books have you actually uh, uh, written thus far? I have seventeen books in print. I have thirty-four foreign editions, and I've won thirty-one book awards. Wow! And uh, this year, I have to write number eighteen. <laughs> Number 18, a good number there. Well, we bow down to you. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations on on, uh, working on number 18. I'm still working on number one. Uh, But uh, one day it will come out. One day it will. Uh, We will come back with Dr. Susan Chomsky uh, following this break, and we want you to stay with us here on Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, along with Dr. Susan Shumsky. We're going to continue our conversation about the chakras in particular. Welcome back, and thank you for staying with us here on the program. Well, I'm having a great time, Richard. You have a big book here, and it's it's not huge. It's not like a, a giant dictionary or necessarily, but it's filled with all kinds of great information. Uh, wow, I just flipped through here. Oh, boy. This is going to open up a whole other realm, but I'm not going to deviate from what I said we would start with. Uh, But I do want to talk later on in the program here about the connection between the chakras and what you have 
a diagram on page 104 of what uh, is commonly known as the Tree of Life. So we will uh, tease our listeners with that, uh, and we'll come back to that. Let's start with the basics of the seven chakras uh, to initiate those who are unfamiliar with them and to sort of uh, give a, a refresher for those of us who are, are familiar with them. Okay, so let's begin at the beginning. And the beginning is prana. Prana is life force energy. In China, it's called qi. In Japan, it's called ki. So prana, as I said earlier, uh, that is what gives you life. It is what gives you motion. It is invisible, okay? If you were to dissect a corpse, you would not find prana anywhere. You would not find a chakra. You would not find the conduits of subtle energy which are uh which convey the prana the pranic energy the life force energy throughout the body you would not find that if you dissect a course because it's on a different level it's in another dimension it is your subtle body it's not in your gross physical body you have this gross physical body but you have uh layers of a subtle body as well in India, they call that pancha kosha or five sheaths. So the five sheaths are your physical body, your, uh, then your vital energy body, your mental emotional body, your intellect ego body, and your causal body. Those are five bodies. The vital energy body, also known as pranamaya kosha, which is the body made of prana, uh, that consists of these uh, nadi, which in India they're called nadi, and in China they're called meridian, through, it, through which pranic energy flows, life force energy flows through these. And if you have greater life force energy, you have more energy. You're more uh, enthusiastic. You're more optimistic. You have more charisma. You have more... Uh, attractive, you're more attractive, magnetically attractive. So these are some of the qualities of someone who has a lot of prana or pranic energy flowing through their body. Uh, these conduits of subtle energy, they, uh, I, I mentioned, those are called nadi or meridian. And where those uh, intersect and make plexuses, that's called chakra. The word is chakra, and it's a Sanskrit word. There is, there is no such word as chakra in the, in the Sanskrit language or in the English language. It's called chakra, and chakra means wheel. It means a wheel. The wheel has a hub, which is a focal point of, of pranic energy, and then the radiations of pranic energy are the spokes of the wheel. So... Uh, there's seven major chakra in the body. Uh, not really in the body. It's in your subtle body. You have to realize this is not physical. These are actual uh, subtle energies that give you life and that regulate your physical body. So we start with the base chakra, which is at the base of your spine. And that one is regulating your elimination system, uh, your excretion system. 
Then we have the second chakra, which is the pelvic chakra, which is associated with your gonads and your sexual reproduction. And then we have the third chakra, which is your navel chakra, which is involved with uh, digestion. Then we have the fourth chakra, which is regulating your heart and lungs. Then we have the fifth chakra, which is the throat chakra, which is involved with your expression, your ability to be expressive, to communicate, and also artistically expressive. Then the sixth chakra, which is in the middle of your head and known as your third eye chakra, and that is involved with higher awareness. It's involved with developing spiritual gifts such as clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and it is the third eye, the eye of illumination. And then we have the seventh chakra, which is your crown chakra, and that is involved with attaining, uh, shall we say, freedom, attaining uh, spiritual enlightenment. So those are the seven major chakra that are uh, involved with uh, keeping you alive. Hmm. So those are the seven major chakra, as you've described them, and they go straight up the center of the body, if you will. At least that's where we perceive them, you know, uh, and yet, the, as we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, there are minor energy centers in the body. Uh, can you give us a little bit of a description of those and, and, and how sure. we might even become a little bit more aware of those as well? So, yeah, there's the Hrit Chakra, which is, um, that's just below your your Anahata, which is your heart chakra. There is, uh, there's the Indu Chakra, which is involved with your intellect, which is in your third ventricle. And there is the Manas Chakra, which is involved with your mind, with your sensory perception, actually. That's also in the, in your brain. And the Nirvana Chakra, which is at the top of your skull, uh, it's, it's not top of your skull, it's in your brain right at the top, mm -hmm. right below your skull. And then there's the Guru Chakra, which is above your, above your head, but below the Sahasrara, uh, below, below the Crown Chakra. I don't want to bandy about too many Sanskrit words here, right, otherwise right, people yeah. get lost. Mm -hmm. So the Guru Chakra is right below your Crown Chakra. And then the bindu point is above the, the uh, crown chakra. So, yeah, these are some of the minor, so-called minor chakras that are discussed in the ancient scriptures of India, the Vedic and Tantric scriptures, which, like I said, I explored those. And as a result, this book is the most complete book about the chakras that you're going to find. You're not going to find this information anywhere else uh, because unless you go back to the ancient scriptures yourself. And this is a very heavily illustrated book. Um, I'm an artist, so I did beautiful illustrations of the chakra deities and chakra yantras and um, meaning symbols. And so there's just a lot of information. I, I say it's like an encyclopedia of the chakras because anything you ever wanted to know about the chakra system is in here. And everything you didn't didn't ever want to know about the chakra <laughs> system is also in here. So it's got everything. 
and also about how to heal. You know, healing is part of this as well, and and many, many practices are in here too. Mm-hmm. Practices to help you to awaken your chakras, to awaken that kundalini energy, which is a form of pranic, pranic energy that is a spiritual spiritual uh, energy. And also meditation is involved in this book, and uh, these, these yogic practices such as the mudras and the bandhas, meaning muscular locks and gestures, uh, there's just a lot. I mean, this book is just wow. That's all I can say. It's wow. <laughs> you mentioned one of the chakras, uh, I think is also associated with an outer, um, uh, I don't know if you, it would be called a piece of jewelry or exactly what it would be called. It's the bindi, uh, that I know that a lot of, of, uh, Indian women, uh, place on their, uh, on the forehead at the third eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, the point I was talking about is the bindu, bindu. point, not the bindi point. It's okay. the bindu point, which is above your crown chakra. The bindi is, yeah, the, that is a symbol of the third eye chakra, which is your sixth chakra. Uh, and uh, that is in the middle of your head in the area of the pineal gland and extends to your forehead and also to the back of the head. And... Uh, the bindi is women who, it originally was women who were married, would put a red dot in the center of their forehead, but now is popular for younger girls too, to, to put this kind of piece of jewelry or to uh, a red dot made of kumkum, uh, meaning red powder, and also spiritual people, um, might put that dot there to represent the third eye. Let's talk about the third eye for a moment, if we might. Um, This may sound kind of like a strange question, but what is it? (laughs) It's a good question. So we've been talking about these chakras, and one of the chakras is called agya chakra, meaning command center. And that particular chakra is the sixth chakra. It's in the very middle of your head in the area of the pineal gland. The pineal gland is the gland that's right in the middle of your brain, even though it's not a part of your brain. But that is the eye of illumination, the third eye. We have these two eyes with which we see the world in its myriad beauteous forms all over our beautiful planet and even into the skies, and we see that with our physical eyes. But there are things that are hidden from view, and we can see those things through the third eye, which is the eye of illumination. It is the eye that is open to the hidden worlds. And that uh, eye, uh, the third eye, is involved with clairvoyance, meaning clear-seeing, Clear audience, meaning clear hearing, and clear sentience, meaning clear feeling. So uh, we are multidimensional beings, and also we have these superpowers, um, super sensory perception or subtle sensory perception, by which you can experience higher states of consciousness and experience things that it's not every day, you know, is not something that we 
experience through our physical eyes or physical senses, let's say, not just the eyes, all the senses. So that is basically the third eye. And uh, we can develop it. We can expand it. We can awaken it. All right. Now here comes another question along the same line. Sounds a little strange. Why would we want to? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to discover who you really are, you're going to discover that through awakening the third eye. Mm -hmm. Now, it's important to understand that every one of the seven major chakra has a planet associated with it. The third eye chakra has the planet Jupiter associated with it. And Jupiter, the word Jupiter in Sanskrit is guru. Guru is actually the word for Jupiter in Sanskrit. So the inner guru is residing in your third eye. When you open your third eye, you open the communication with the inner guru. So you are guru meaning teacher or preceptor, in case you don't know what guru is. It's a pretty common word now mm-hmm. um, these days. So when you open that third eye, you're able to receive intuitive impressions, insights. You're able to actually communicate and have two-way conversations with the inner guru. And that is a profound experience. That's, that's something that, <laughs> if you possibly can learn how to do that, your life will become quite magical, quite amazing. And uh, you'll find that you'll have so much comfort, so much solace, so, mu- so much confidence when you know that you can get the answer to any question that you ask. Um, You have a wise inner sage within you located in the third eye area, which can communicate with you. And that's pretty groovy. (laughs) Pretty cool. Right? Uh, It sounds to me like you're a hippie to this day. (laughs) Absolutely. I am hippie all the way. All the way. RV and I have no home base. I'm a hippie. There you go. Well, we we just bought a travel trailer and uh, we have actually named it the Irish Gypsy. Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to, you know, probably do some some serious traveling and talking with people around the world uh, as we travel. I want to remind our listeners we're talking with Dr. Susan Shumsky and her website is divine revelation .org that's divinerevelation.org where you can find out about all 17 soon to be 18 of her books uh, as well as uh, much of what she has been working on uh, over the over the many years how many years have you been uh, i mean uh, certainly we could go back to the 60s and obviously the math is very simple there but in terms of divine revelation and the writing of the books and so forth are we talking a good 30 40 50 years? Absolutely not. I started writing books in 1990. Aha! So you're before still that, new. I was living. I was living in an ashram before that. <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was serving on my guru's staff and mm-hmm. all of that, you know, doing that. Yeah. And uh, doing other endeavors in my life as well. But 
you know, I only started writing in 1990. So, yeah, so all these books have been written in the last, wow. what, five years, 30, I don't know. Yeah. What year are we now? It's... <laughs> <laughs> Simple, simple math is 30. Simple math is 30. We're here in 2020. And, and actually, you, you made a comment earlier uh, in reference to this as well. And I expand upon it as much as I can, uh, talking about uh, the whole aspect of uh, 2020 being the year of perfect vision. And we're talking, of course, about perfect inner vision. Uh, and quite honestly, uh, the only thing that keeps us from having that perfect inner vision is our willingness to go within. Why do you think so many people are, I'm, I'm going to say, are so tentative. I don't want to say afraid, but maybe that's the right word. Are so tentative about meditating, about listening to and following the promptings of that still small voice of acknowledging their intuition and so forth. Well, you know, we're not taught how to do it, first of all. It's not a subject that's taught in school. Uh, it's not something that we're educated on. So people are always timid or fearful, maybe even, of something that's unknown. They're fearful of the unknown. They don't know what's, you know, you know the idea of talking to God. I mean, yikes. It's too scary for people. <laughs> They're afraid they'll be judged. You know, they have all these weird ideas about God and all that. You know, it scares people. So it's if you haven't had the experience of it, if it's unfamiliar, then that's something. It's like in the deep, dark forest, just going into the scary forest at night. <laughs> what, what, what you're going to encounter so it's important for people to be educated, to learn, learn how, learn how to do it, and then practice it. It's really very simple. It's not that hard to do. And you can learn how, and, and practice makes perfect. You know, keep practicing at it, and you'll get better and better at it. Yeah. Well, we, we emphasize a great deal on this program, uh, our intuition, uh, and listening oh, to that still small voice. It's uh, you know, I, I, I can't emphasize it enough to our listeners, especially considering the fact that uh, it's part of the reason, maybe a, a, a huge 99% of the reason why I'm here right now talking with you. Uh, not only because uh, when I received the email uh, the very first time, I thought, oh, this woman sounds very interesting. Let's Let's talk to her. Let's have her on the program. And we've had you on many times since. But also in terms of being here in Santa Barbara, uh, being on this particular path, as I said earlier, my metaphysical primer was the uh, autobiography of a yogi. And I have been introduced to different, I will call them branches of the same tree uh, from which Paramahansa comes. We have a guru here in Santa Barbara. I think it's in Montecito. There's a there's a monastery or an, an ashram up in the hills, facing the ocean, um, uh, with a, a gentleman who he is a he's a guru as well, uh, a teacher of a sect of the philosophy. It's the self inquiry life fellowship. Uh, then I was able to also meet, uh, at the time, the the last living teaching disciple 
of Paramahansa Yogananda, Kriya, uh, uh, Swami uh, Kriyananda, uh, until his passing a few years ago. We actually went up to Ananda Village, north of Nevada City, uh, for a vacation. Uh, we, we traveled up there. And these, these, these branches keep coming back into my life. Uh, you know, and it's not that I ever pushed them away. It's just, you know, you, 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 as I'm sure you can attest to, you're kind of going down this one path and then all of a sudden you're led to go down another path and another path and another path. And it kind of takes you away from some of the stuff that you did years ago. And then all of a sudden you meet someone and bam, you're right back, <laughs> right back, sort of almost like where you started from. And I found that fascinating to observe, let alone experience uh, and it, it kind of speaks to me, um, not necessarily uh, the universe is telling me, and that's the philosophy that you should follow. I, I, I think <laughs> it's more that these people and the, the, the situations come into our lives, what, for um, maybe a, a, a reminder, a, a, a recharge, so to speak, a reboot, if you will, not necessarily saying make make this your philosophy and these people your gurus yeah i mean ultimately there's only one guru and that's <laughs> that's within you mm -hmm. and that would be your higher self which is equated to spirit with a capital s which is equated to god with a capital g i mean that is the true guru the true guru is right there within you and when you discover that true guru and when you begin to actually listen to it, trust it, and follow it, meaning acting upon the guidance that you receive, that's when your life really becomes quite magical and miraculous because suddenly you find that life becomes a thrilling adventure you never know what you're going to be guided to do next. <laughs> mm. And you're also, you're continually jumping off cliffs, <laughs> just jumping, jumping off cliffs blindfolded. And when you jump off of a cliff, you know that either God is going to catch you or you're going to have to learn how to fly real fast. Uh, so yeah. that's, <laughs> that's what it's like to follow inner guidance. It's totally fun and exciting and thrilling. It's a magical mystery tour. <laughs> uh, yes, to to quote someone uh, we all know. <laughs> yeah, right, magical mystery tour. Now it's going to take you away. You also have uh, a, a a whole. In addition to the seventeen books available, you have CDs and I'm sure DVDs, and there are videos on your website that people can watch as well, and. Um, you also have some, some, it's listed here under the category of paintings. Yeah, I do. Now, mm -hmm. are these uh, that you created or that you have found along the way that you felt uh, this would be something good to offer uh, as far as uh, devotion and so forth, uh, meditation, uh, that type of thing? Uh, they're all my paintings. I'm an artist. Wow. And by the way, you can find all of those uh, pictures in the book Ascension. But they, but they are not in color. They're in grayscale in the book Ascension uh, because they are pictures of the ascended masters mm -hmm. and de deities and divine beings. So, yeah, those are available on my website. You can get them in color. 
you can even get canvas prints of them if you like them. Oh, so, they're, they're beautiful. Yeah, I'm an artist, yeah. That's fantastic. In fact, my guru, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, he used to call me Susan the Artist. That was my little nickname <laughs> he gave me, Susan the Artist. Well, you know, I was I, the the reason that I, I of course I'm I'm scrolling through the website and seeing all these different kinds of things that are available, uh, as well as of course uh, a laminated uh, affirmation cards. How how important are affirmations in our lives? Yeah, affirmations are exceedingly important. Exceedingly. Lord Buddha uh, said in the very first verse of the first chapter of the Dhammapada, he said, all that we are is the result of what we have thought. If a person speaks or acts with a pure thought, then happiness follows him or her. If a person speaks or acts with an impure thought, then unhappiness follows him or her. And uh, and I'm just going to, give you another quote and that is Jesus said that we are not defiled by what we put into our mouth we are defiled by what comes out of our mouth hmm. it's very important that if you use if you invoke the mighty i am presence the mighty i am presence by saying the words i am that whatever it is that you say after you say those words is something that you want to own. So going around and saying, oh, I'm so unhappy, I'm so sick, oh, I'm so tired, oh, I'm so exhausted, oh, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly. Going around, I'm so dumb. Saying these types of affirmations, they are going to manifest in your life. It is exceedingly important that when you use the words I am, that you're saying things such as I am beautiful, I am happy, I am prosperous, I am healthy, I am strong, I am empowered. These are the types of expressions you want to use. And each one of those is an affirmation. Now, <clears throat> I have several books that I've written that have a lot of affirmations in them. Um, the main one's called Instant Healing. That has 243 amazing affirmative prayers and affirmations uh, in the book that can help you with all areas of life. Although I think every one of my books has some affirmations in them because affirmations are so powerful. They produce instant results a positive results in your life if you're saying positive statements. Uh, it's really, really important because you may not have total control over the thoughts that are just streaming through your brain, through your head, but you do have power over what comes out of your mouth. You can, you can be somewhat disciplined in, uh, in what you're speaking so be sure that you're speaking only positive statements about yourself. It reminds me of that uh, phrase you hear quite often. Someone will say something, and then they'll follow it up with, did I say that out loud? <laughs> 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 you know, uh, and yeah, you, uh, there's nothing wrong with, so to speak, editing your verbiage. 
Your thoughts, you can try, uh, you know, you can work at that. I mean, the monkey mind, as they call it, is kind of hard to control. Well, again, it's a monkey, and it's going to yeah. do what it wants to do. And <laughs> and yet um, the the other mind or voice, the in, our intuition, yeah. the still small voice, the divine, what have you, um, for those who are not that familiar, how do I know that how do I test to make sure that that voice that I am hearing is the still small voice, the divine, my higher self, as opposed mm-hmm. to the monkey mind that's just chattering away because yeah. uh, we hear about this all the time where, well, these voices told me to do this and they, they yeah, basically right. do really <laughs> kill, awful stuff. To kill someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't going to say that, but yes. <laughs> so how do we test that? How do we make sure that we're, we're tapped into the right, the right voice to listen to? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you asked that because I've written a couple books about that. One is called Divine Revelation, which was my first, very first book published by Simon & Schuster. And another one is called Awaken Your Divine Intuition. Uh, and actually, that's a later edition of another book I wrote, which is called How to Hear the Voice of God. But uh, that one isn't av- available anymore. But the new edition is called Awaken Your Divine Intuition. And in those books... I have an entire 10 test system to test the authenticity of the messages that you're getting, the intuition that you're receiving, the voice that you're speaking to. So um, the reason why this is so vital is that there are four different places that you might be receiving messages from when you're trying to tap into intuition, when you're trying to become psychic, shall we say, or spiritually connected or intuitive, uh, there's four places you might tap into. The spiritual world is number one, the mental world, number two, astral world, number three, four is number four is environmental world. So the one that you want to be tapping into is only the spiritual world and not these other realms of existence. So it's really important that you learn how to test the inner voice. And the 10 test system would take me approximately three hours to teach. <laughs> well, I don't okay. think we have three hours here uh, on this uh, particular interview. However, However, I want to direct you to uh, read about this. You can learn it in the book. You don't have to, you know, take a class or anything. You can learn the whole thing in these books, uh, either Divine Revelation or Awaken Your Divine Intuition. Hmm. And I think also I did briefly touch upon the 10 tests in another book I wrote, which is called Awaken Your Third Eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's extremely important for us to make sure that, you know, we are connected to the right, uh, the source of information. Yeah. And th- I would... To the right channel. To the right channel. There you go. Yeah. And yet at the same time, would it not be also true to say that there are times when... Maybe we want to connect with, uh, tune to the astral channel or to the mental channel or to the environmental channel? No. No. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. The, the answer is no, because the astral plane is the plane of existence where souls get stuck. Who They didn't go into the light after death. Instead, they got stuck or stranded. 
they're lost souls or they're demonic beings. You definitely do not want to tap into those. That's actually very dangerous to tap into the astral plane. The environmental level, that's just the basic flotsam and jetsam of (laughs) of people's thoughts around you. The collective uh, conscious awareness of, uh, actually not awareness, the collective thoughts, the thought forms, erroneous thought forms of people uh, around the world that have created kind of a mental cloud that clouds the atmosphere. No, you don't want to tap in there. Um, You don't want to tap into other people's uh, beliefs and thoughts. Right. You know, um, that would be being a psychic uh, sponge or energy sponge, tapping into these energy vampires that are around you. No, no, don't want to do that. Uh, That would be the environment. Um, So I think, uh, yeah, mental plane, spiritual, mental world. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. So the mental world would be your own um, negative thoughts, feelings and emotions. Uh, You know, no, you don't want to tap into that. Your subconscious beliefs that are that are untrue. That sounds to me like the environmental world is sort of a uh, a place that empaths can co- sort of get stuck. My wife is is very empathic, and for yes. the longest time, she she tries has always been asking me, "Is there something wrong with me? I, I don't. Why am I feeling this way?" And it took a long time for her to finally realize that uh, many many times she's just picking up on the energy of other people, and that exactly. there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. Absolutely. You know. In fact, she's. She's intuitive. She's sensitive. She's psychic. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing. That's great. DivineRevolution.org is the website where you can... F- uh, revelation. Divine Revelation. Maybe there is a Divine Revolution coming. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll have you back to talk about the, <laughs> the Divine Revolution uh, that is that is approaching, if it if indeed it is. Uh, but anyway, it's DivineRevelation.org. We encourage you to go to that website as well as check out all of the various aspects of the work that uh, uh, Dr. Susan Chomsky has been sharing with us here on the program. And uh, I thank you again for, for giving us so much time. Dr. Susan Chomsky has been our guest here on uh, Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for New World, and we encourage you to go to her website. Again, it is divinerevelation.org. Uh, the book, one of the books that we've been talking about today, the big book of chakras and chakra healing, how to unlock your seven energy centers for healing, happiness, and transformation. And I have to say, as we wrap things up, that the the, the greater works Jesus spoke about in the New Testament uh, to his disciples, that they would do beyond the changing of water into wine and raising of the dead and so forth, I honestly believe the greater work has to do with the transforming of our own lives. Absolutely. Before we let you go, I, one of these days I would love to meet you in person. So if you're ever out here in Santa Barbara, uh, please let us know. We'd love to have you in studio to to have a conversation uh, across the console, as it were. Uh, and um, also, we definitely would like to have you back as you as you come out with book number eighteen when when that is <laughs> whenever that is released. Great, thank you. And then, uh, if I may ask you, uh, we've probably asked this of you uh, in the previous programs, but hey, the answers sometimes they change, uh, as uh, as that is the uh, constant in the universe. 
Uh, three final questions as we wrap up our program here. The first is, who is Susan Shumsky? A divine being who is doing her best to realize who she is, who she really is, in every precious moment of every day. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? To bring as many people as possible to God, to bring as many people as possible to realize their own higher nature and to discover their true purpose and destiny. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My purpose is to lead as many people as possible to freedom, to moksha, to the ultimate state of spiritual enlightenment. Dr. Susan Shumsky, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I do encourage you to go to the podcast. SoundCloud is the main location. Also Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and many, many other locations. If you'd like to support us financially, we do have a PayPal and Patreon account for security. I like using them. They do a great job of uh, being the middleman, so to speak, so that I have a trail You have a trail, and it's secure as well. And we gratefully thank all of you who have supported and will support us, and we will take that energetic support as well. So please uh, do what you can. And we also encourage you to listen again to this program. And until our next broadcast podcast, I'm Richard Dugan. Love to Lal.